Ecclesiastes chapter 11 beginning in verse 7, Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, all that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Now if I had to declare whether I was a pessimist or an optimist, I would say I'm neither. I'm a realist. Life has forced me into being a realist. You know, you sort of, when you're a realist, you just know how things are going to happen. It's not that you're negative. It's not that you're positive. It's just that experience have taught you that certain things are going to take place a certain way. And not everything in life is positive, right? Not everything in life is negative. What you have to learn to do is deal with the things that happen in our lives. Now, these verses that we read have caused a lot of people to question, what is Solomon doing? What is Solomon saying? He's coming to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. What he's going to give us this morning is a real taste of realism versus a positive mental attitude. I tend to be positive. I would say that. I hope you are. I don't think God's people should go around being negative all the time and, you know, sort of like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, you know, oh, it's so terrible, everything's so bad. But at the same time, we must be realistic. Some have suggested that in these verses, Solomon sounds sort of like a pessimistic motivational speaker. He gets up and he gives you something really positive, something encouraging, and then he comes right behind it with a negative comment, just sort of yanks the rug out from under you when you get all built up with this positive stuff. But he's talking about the wisdom of the day. And we hear it today. We hear so many of these things today that we're going to talk about. And in fact, somebody suggested that if you could just delete the last half of verses 8 through 10, we're not going to do that, but if you could just delete the last half of those verses, then what you would have is the perfect sermon for the joy boys of the TV preachers. Because you listen to it. Verses 7 through the first part of verse 8, Truly the light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, or if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Can't you hear the motivational speaker today, the motivational preacher saying, just look for the good in everything. Just look for the good in everybody. Look, God doesn't want you to be unhappy. God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want you to have problems. And so you just look for the good in absolutely everything. Just embrace the positive side of life. Well, that's textbook motivational speak. We've all heard it. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. Again, live for the moment. Rejoice in the moment. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I was just in the moment, okay? I said, rejoice in the moment. Live your dreams. Speak positive truth to yourself, and you'll have positive results. I knew a man, he's passed away now, but I knew a man get up every morning. He had the alarm on his phone set at a certain time every day. He'd go look in the mirror and give positive affirmations to himself. You're a great salesperson. You're going to have a great day today. It's going to be wonderful. And so that's what he would do. That was his habit every day. In fact, one said this, whenever you say I am, 
And then whatever you follow it with is what you're inviting into your life. For example, if somebody says, I am rich, they're inviting money into their lives. If somebody says, I am smart, they're inviting knowledge into their lives. I think I've said this too much. If somebody says, I am fat, they're inviting calories into their lives. But just whatever you say, you're inviting into your life. But here's the idea. Seize your dreams. Go out there and get them. And, you know, just get that promotion. Get your success. Just move forward and the waters will part for you as you move forward. And then in verse 10. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from thy flesh. Get rid of all the negative influences in your life. Just get them out. Get rid of them. If it angers you, if it causes you pain, if it causes you grief, just get rid of it. Don't have anything to do with it. Avoid negative people in your life. Do you realize that is an impossibility? You're going to run into some negative people in life. You're going to have to deal with some negative preachers. Uh, negative preachers. Well, you're going to have to deal with them too. <laughs> you're going to have to deal with some negative people in your life. So you can't avoid negative people in your life. You may have family members that are negative. You have to deal with them. Sometimes you got to go be around them. And so these things are an impossibility. But if you could just take the first half of these verses and you could repackage them, you know what happened? You'd move to the top of the motivational speaker platform. I mean, you want to encourage a, a group of students. You want to encourage an athletic team. You want to encourage a graduating class. Stand up and tell them, look, find the positive. Rejoice in every moment of your life. Focus on the possible. Realize your dreams. They're out there. And then forsake the problems. Remove the obstacles to success. This world loves this kind of talk. You just watch the TV preachers and see how big a crowd they draw. And you'll see that people want to hear these things that just always lift us up and never give us any warning or any difficulty in dealing with it. Facebook is filled with it. But it's secular wisdom. Again, we need to be realistic. Why is Solomon saying these things? He's coming to the end of this book. And he's bringing us to the main point of this book. And the main point of this book is at the end of each of these verses, if you just read the end of each of those verses. And just as people are listening to all this wisdom of the day come in, Solomon just reaches out and pulls the rug out from under them. Now, all of this is not bad advice, and we're going to see that in just a moment. It just doesn't go far enough. It's sort of like this. You're hearing two messages. Solomon's sitting beside you as you're listening to this motivational speaker, and he's saying, all of these motivational things. And Solomon reach over and say, yes, but think about this. You know, rejoice in the moment. Now remember, you're going to die one of these days. Realize your dreams. But be careful because you're going to answer to God for your life. Amen. Resist the problems. But remember, life is fleeting, so you better do it fast. And so as he says one thing, he reminds us of the other half of what he is saying to us. So what he's doing is bringing us face to face with the realities of life. We would love to think that life is just all sunshine and lollipops and roses and all of those things, wouldn't we? But I got news for you. It's not, and we're going to have to deal with life as it comes to us. 
I need to go back and talk to some people that I've talked to in times past because I used to tell them this. Look, if you'll just accept Jesus as Savior, you'll never have another problem. Boy, that was wrong, wasn't it? If you'll accept Jesus as Savior, you're going to still have problems, but you got somebody to deal with the problems for you. you got somebody to go with you through those problems, the reality of life. And I think that's what God's people today in America today need to understand. There is a reality to life. We do not live in a perfect world. You cannot escape everything that is negative. By the way, you'd have to go out of this world to do that. In fact, if you just look at 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, remember Paul's dealing with this church, and there was a man in the church that was having relations with either his mother or his stepmother. And he says this, beginning in verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such and one know not to eat. He's talking about, in, he said, don't have anything to do with these folks in the church. If you want to avoid having contact or coming into confrontation with a drunkard, an extortioner, a raider, all of these things that he mentioned, in the world, he says you'd have to go out of the world. And so the only way to avoid anything negative in your life is just to go out of the world. Sadness, pain, grief are just as much a part of life as is pleasantness and joy and good things. And we have to deal with both. So we're going to look at these verses and see what Solomon has to say to us as we hear the wisdom of the day, and then Solomon's going to add a little bit to it. First of all, in verses 7 and 8, find the positive. Find the positive. Go back and look at it again in verse 7. Truly light is sweet, and a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. In order to be fair, this is not totally bad advice, okay? We're not going to say it's bad advice. It's just not totally bad advice. As far as it goes, it just doesn't go quite far enough. The word light here is given in exchange for life. Light and life, they can mean the same thing. And I'll give you an illustration. In the third chapter of the book of Job, in verse 1, Job is speaking. And I just point that out because I want to know who's talking here. But in verse 1, it says that Job cursed his days. And so Job is speaking. And you look to verse 20, and he says this. Wherefore, why is light or life given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul? Why would God let somebody go on living when they're in misery? Why would he let someone go on living when they were in bitter in soul? Wherefore, or why, is light, consider that life, given to a man whose way is hid or who has no, this is verse 23, by the way. Why is life or light given to a man whose way is hid or who has no future and whom God hath hedged in. Why would he let them go on living? Why should they go on living when they see no future? And so Job is just exchanging the word light for life. They mean the same thing. And so when we go back and we read verse 7, he says it's a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. You know what he's talking about? Seeing another day of life. Because what happens when you get up in the morning and you see the sun? Somebody said, well, I got up this morning, it was cloudy, but the sun's still shining. You realize that, by the way? Even when you get up on a cloudy day, if you could fly up above the clouds, you'd see the sun was still shining. It's still there. So Solomon just says here, he says, you get up in the morning and you get to see the sun. You behold another day, another sunrise. You're alive for another day. 
And he said, that's a pleasant thing. And there's a certain wisdom in the encouragement to rejoice over the simple things in life. In fact, if you go back to chapter 3 here in Ecclesiastes, and you look at verse 12, he said, I know there's no good in them for man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. He said, that's what you need to do. You look at chapter 5, and you look at verse 18, and he says this, Behold that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all of his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Did you wake up this morning? You said, well, I'm here, obviously. Did you wake up? That's a good thing. Rejoice in the fact that you woke up this morning. Did you see the sun? Well, yes, I did. That's a good thing. Rejoice in the fact that you got up and you opened your eyes and you saw the sun. Have you lived a long life? That's a good thing. Rejoice in that. Solomon is not suggesting that we should hate life. Solomon never suggests that. What he's saying is what we ought to rejoice in is the simple pleasures that God gives us. Amen. So the light, being alive, is a good thing. And verse 8 says, If a man live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Be thankful for the time that God has given you upon this earth. That's what he's saying. Amen. Now here's the problem. If all you have is years to your life and you don't have life to your years, you're going to have some problems. You're going to be disappointed. And here's why. Look at the end of verse 8. Here's the reality. See, rejoice. But here's the reality. The days of darkness shall be many. You're going to have some good days, some days to rejoice in, but you're going to have some days that are just as dark as dark can be. Or if light speaks about rejoicing in life, what does darkness talk about? Darkness talks about despair. It talks about discouragement. It even talks about death. And Solomon is saying this, enjoy life while you have it because, listen, death is coming. You say, preacher, I don't want to think about that. It's waiting for us all. God gave Adam that guarantee in the Garden of Eden. He said, you came from dust, and to dust you're going to return. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and as it is appointed unto man once to die. Just over and over again, we're reminded that life is going to end. And so we look at this. You may live a long time, but death lasts a whole lot longer. How long did Adam live? According to Genesis, he lived 950 years. How long has Adam been dead? A whole lot longer. How long did Moses live? According to the book of Deuteronomy, he lived 120 years. But Moses has been dead a whole lot longer than that. And that's why Solomon is saying here, yes, enjoy life. But remember this, it's not going to last. It's not going to to last. Even the good things won't last. Verse 8, the end of that verse says, all that cometh is vanity and everything that is to come is what he's saying will be futility. We can enjoy life, but again, we know what's coming. That's the point. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 9, he reminds us again that death is coming. He says, all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean and to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not as is the good, so is the sinner and he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun that there is one event unto all and we know that's death. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live and after that they go to the dead. It's coming. You say, that's too realistic, preacher. My daughter gets mad at me for being that realistic. I know I'm not going to live forever. I want God to give me as many years as he can, as he will. Now here's what I'd rather have happen. That the Lord just come back and take us all out of here, okay? That'd be ideal. Is he going to? I don't know. But if he doesn't, I know the day is coming that they're going to lay me out in front of a bunch of people and the preacher's going to stand over me and say a few words and we know what goes from there. So listen, it's realism that Solomon's dealing with here. Now we're not to be so negative in life. We're like the guy at work when you walk in in the morning and you say, good morning. And he says, what's so good about it? Mm-hmm. You know, we all know people like that. We've all encountered people like that. Very few people like that person or like to be around that person. But if we expect all of our satisfaction to come from this life, folks, we're deluding ourselves. Everything in this life is going to end. This building won't be here one day. You know that? I heard years ago of a college that did an experiment. They built a house and left it. They didn't tend to it. They didn't do any repairs. They just left it. And in 20 years, the house had caved in because it was not taken care of. Things are not built to last. Everything we own, guess where it's going to end up one of these days? Either in a garage sale or in the trash or both, right? That's what a garage sale is sometimes. (laughs) We take the things we don't want and we just sell them to somebody else. And even our bodies are going to return to dust. So if we just make living to rejoice in every moment the purpose of our lives, then we're not going to be satisfied. It's a futile plan. There's got to be something more than that. And you and I understand that, I hope. And what is more than that is serving our Lord and our Savior, serving our God. Then he says in verse 9, focus on the possible. Here's the second bit of advice. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Again, not totally bad advice, is it? Just have your dreams. And Solomon's actually said something like this. Look back to chapter 8, verse 15. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life which God giveth him under the sun. Look at chapter 9. Look at verse 7. Go thy way. Eat thy bread with joy and drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life and in the labor which thou takest under the sun. We need goals. We need something to strive for. Can you imagine a life with no goals? You're just sort of wondering. 
And so we need goals. We need dreams. And there's nothing wrong with having dreams. There's something to be said for pursuing your dreams. But if you can eat your bread and drink your drink and enjoy life with your spouse, that'll certainly take some of the suffering out of life, won't it? But the problem's still the same. If your sole ambition is to walk in the ways of your heart or follow the impulses of your heart, if your sole ambition in life is the, the sight or the desires of your eyes, and that is to please the flesh, you're likely going to end up in sin. You say, why so, preacher? Jeremiah 17, 9. What is Jeremiah 17, 9? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? People will say, just follow your heart. Okay? Just follow your heart. But the Word of God says the heart's deceitful above everything else. Who can know it? And so I say this, only follow your heart as your heart follows the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit directs you, that's the only time to follow your heart. Otherwise, you're going to end up in difficulty. You're going to end up sinning against God. Why? 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, is of the world. And you're going to be tempted in one of those three ways, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So if you're following your heart, and the heart is deceitful, the heart is going to lead you into these things. And you may end up where you don't want to be. And for a child of God, that would be out of fellowship with their heavenly father. All Solomon is doing is exposing some bad advice. Some advice that just doesn't go far enough because he says in the end of verse 9, but know this. He said, follow your dreams. But know this, that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. You and I are not the final authorities in our lives. I know we like to think so. And in fact, what we'll hear people say, and many times young people say this, it's my life, I can do what I want to do, right? It doesn't affect anybody, it just affects me. We'll be careful about that because the Word of God says no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. But a couple of verses of Scripture we ought to just read over and over, maybe just put it on a card and put it on the bathroom mirror or something like that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you know what he's saying there? If you're a child of God, you don't belong to you anymore. Amen. You have been bought and paid for. And the price of your purchase was the blood of Jesus Christ. So a child of God should never have the attitude, it's my life, I'll do what I want to do. No, a child of God ought to have the attitude, it's Christ's life to live in me and live through me. Because what awaits? I gave you the first half of Hebrews 9, 27 a moment ago. It's appointed unto man once did I. What does the last half of that verse say? And after this, the judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we do that, we're going to give an account of our lives, whether it's been good or bad. 
Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Why do you judge your brothers? What Paul asked them there. He said, no, you're not. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're a child of God, your life is going to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for you. And even the end of this book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The saved will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The lost will stand before the great white throne judgment of God to hear those horrible words. Depart from me. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Now, I know that in our society we idealize people who work hard, who overcome the odds, who never give up, and who achieve their dreams. Hollywood does movies about them glorifies them, glamorizes them. But sometimes Hollywood doesn't give us the whole story, you know. Some use ungodly and or immoral means, corruption and sin to reach their goals. We've all heard of athletes who were scandalized because they used performance enhancing drugs to reach the, the pinnacle. We've heard of politicians who used corrupt and even illegal measures to gain the position that they have gained. So just because someone, quote, realizes their dream doesn't mean they did it the right way. And Solomon reminds us, yes, go ahead and try to realize your dreams, but you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an answer for your life. There's nothing wrong with pursuing, with realizing our dreams. But if you believe that's the end for happiness, if I just reach my dream, I'll always be happy Remember, God's the final judge. You know, that idea of reaching my dreams, reaching my goals is going to make me happy. When I thought about that, you know, several months ago now, we mentioned Tom Brady and how no matter how many Super Bowls, he's been the quarterback of the winning team and all the accolades that he has, most valuable player and all of these things, yet there's still something lacking. And have you followed his life? He quit football and he left the New England Patriots. He went down and he started playing for Tampa Bay. And then at the end of this year when they didn't win the Super Bowl, he retired again. And now I read an article, he's going back to the Patriots. He realized his dream, he won Super Bowls. Hey, it's time to just rejoice in that and lay back and be happy. And No, I've got to do more. There's, and he even said that there's got to be more to it than this. And yet people think that realizing their dreams, reaching their goals, is what's going to make them happy in life. No, God is the only one, and Jesus Christ is the only ones that will make you happy in life. Amen. And verse 10, forsake the problems. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Now he's not saying, the speaker's not saying, don't grieve, don't get angry. Okay? Instead what he's telling us is you need to avoid and put away things that will cause you to commit evil. You need to avoid things that are going to make you get angry. You need to avoid things that are going to give you grief in your life. Now that is not totally wrong. It just doesn't go far enough. In fact, that's probably one of the most common prayers that people pray, that you and I pray. Lord, bless me. Lord, watch over us. Lord, protect us. What did I pray a few moments ago? Lord, keep Satan from causing problems in this church. There's nothing totally wrong with that. Don't fault somebody for praying that way. But if the purpose of your life is just to avoid sickness and sorrow and difficulty, you got a problem. 
And here's why. Because he tells us that childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. You know, every once in a while I think I can still do things I did 10, 15 years ago. And my body says, no, you can't. Or if you try it, <laughs> I'm going to make you pay for that, Buster. The plan of life is fleeting. You can seek to remove all of those things. But listen, sooner or later, something or someone is going to cause you grief. Now, if you say that'll never happen to me, you can just pastor a church for a little while, okay? <laughs> sooner or later, something or someone is going to cause you to get angry. Now, if you don't believe that, just raise a teenager or get out in traffic in this town. Sooner or later, something or someone is going to hurt you, hurt your feelings or hurt you in some other way. And sooner or later, you're going to encounter negative people. You can't put these things away from your life. Life is full of grief and pain and frustration. You remember what Job said in the 14th chapter of Job verse 1? He said, man that is born of a woman is what? Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He went on to say in verse 2, he cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. So the motivational speaker's instruction to avoid pain and trouble and negativity is unrealistic. We're going to have to face it. We're going to have to confront it. You and I will not be young forever. Thank you. I expected the deacon at least to say amen to that one. <laughs> you and I will not be young forever. We will not be in our prime forever. Youth is going to pass away. And it does it so quickly, doesn't it? Job said in Job chapter 7 verse 6, he said, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Now I've never seen a weaver's shuttle, but that's what Job said and I believe him. James says, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So he shared the common wisdom that the world loves as we've gone through these verses. Rejoice in every moment. But Solomon whispers in your ear and says, yeah, but it's going to be short-lived. He says, realize your dreams. And then Solomon whispers this and says, yes, but remember you're going to be judged. And then he says, remove your obstacles. And Solomon whispers and says, do it fast. Because life's a vapor. Life's a mist and, and it doesn't last that long. See, trying to gain satisfaction just out of this life alone, folks, in the flesh is a futile endeavor. Amen. And as we said, what Solomon's goal is, is to prepare us for the kingdom of God. To prepare us to live according to the will of God in the light of eternity and to face God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So by way of conclusion, let's see how Jesus and living for him is the real answer to what men are looking for. We pointed out that light and life can be exchanged for one another. Well, listen to John chapter 1 verse 4 talking about Jesus. In him was life and the life was the light of men. John chapter 1 verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John chapter 8 verse 12, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's Jesus 
And Solomon has shown us there's nothing in this life that can completely satisfy us, so he's pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where satisfaction is. The problem is that life is good, but it ends. And it ends in death. But listen to what Jesus said in John 11, verses 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So instead of trying to rejoice in the moment, rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. You know, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out the 70 and they came back and they said, Woo, man, Lord, look at this. Even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. There's something greater than that to rejoice in. That your name is written in heaven. That's greater than rejoicing in reaching your goals and realizing your dreams. Following the impulses of our hearts ends in regret. But there's no regret in Jesus. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. There's no regret in that. And if you're looking for something or someone to pursue, you know what the Apostle Paul said about his relation with Jesus? He said, I follow after. There's nobody better to pursue than Jesus. And Paul said, if, I think if he had a goal in his life, it was Christ-likeness. He said, I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. I want to look and act and think like Jesus. So instead of trying to rid our lives of grief and pain and sorrow and anger and all of those things, understand that even though this life is fleeting and Jesus' life is anything but fleeting. Just look to John chapter 6. We're not going to read all of these verses. I have several down here. But John chapter 6 and verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. John chapter 10 and verse 28. Look at what Jesus said there. John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And then Revelation chapter 21, the first four verses, talked about the new heaven and the new earth, the new city of Jerusalem, where there is no sorrow, no crying, no tears. Listen, <laughs> in this life we're going to have grief and we're going to have tears. But one of these days we're not. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, He's the one we need to pursue. What the world is pursuing is futile, it's followed by judgment, and it's fleeting. But in Jesus we have life that is fulfilling, life that is free, and life that is forever. And we need to see one more thing and then I'll be through with this message this morning. And it's over in the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 beginning in verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's his life lived for Christ. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. This world says rejoice. Find satisfaction in the flesh. Find satisfaction in this world. But it's futile. And it ends in death. But Jesus says this. Look, if you'll lose your life in service to me, you'll find it. Okay? The world says, follow your heart. No, Jesus says, follow me. 
And he's the one we ought to follow. And the world says remove anything that gives you discomfort, reject grief, reject pain, reject sorrow, reject anger. And Jesus said if you want to follow me, here's what you got to do. You have to deny yourself. It's not what I want. It's not my life and I'll do what I want. It's Christ's life to live in and through me. And he said then take up your cross. And the beautiful picture of taking up your cross when a man was sentenced to die on the cross, he had to carry his cross to the place of crucifixion. And so when you saw a man carrying a cross, you know what that was? That was a dead man walking. Jesus said, die to yourself. Die to this world. Live for me. If we follow the advice of the world, we're going to be seeking a life we can't keep. We're going to be seeking pleasure that will produce judgment. And we'll be seeking comfort that won't last. But if we'll listen to the preacher, and that's what Solomon how he identifies himself. Remember the first part of the book of Ecclesiastes. If we'll listen to the preacher and we'll seek Jesus instead of gratifying self, you know what we'll do? We will deny self. Instead of seeking this world, we will forsake this world's way of doing things. And instead of keeping this life, we'll lose our lives in him and in service to him. And folks, that is true life. And we're going to close with this verse of scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and burden light. Jesus says, You want something to follow. Oh, it's okay to follow your dreams, but it's better to follow Jesus. It's okay to rejoice in the moment. I mean, I like to have a good time and I like to smile. And there's a reason I'm called that crazy preacher, you know, all that sort of stuff. But there's an even better reason to rejoice. In the book of God's kingdom, my name's written there. Amen. This life is not all there is. And there are many billions of people in this world today that are living for this life. They're living for right now. And I want to get what I can get now. And their name's not written in the book of life. And one of these days they're going to hear depart from me. I never knew you. And so as we come to the conclusion of this message. You say what has been the point of it all? You've, you've sort of sounded negative. I don't mean to sound negative. Take all of these positive affirmations if you want to. But just add on to the end of them what Solomon said. And remember this life is not about this life. This life is about the life that is lived for Christ and putting Him first in everything that we do.